0: Well, hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the T Draft of the Film Buff podcast. What I'm going to do this week is I, I think we're going to do a little bit of a movie review roundup. Haven't done that in quite a few weeks. Uh, you know, we did the uh, mid year Oscars, did the recap for Hobbs and Shaw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, amongst other things. So I thought this week's kind of just a throwback. Let's just talk some movies that I recently saw. Not necessarily in. In order, or not necessarily all the movies I recently saw. Just a couple of things that stood out to me, um, as well as a, a current TV show I am binging. I'm a little late to the party with it, but I uh, I thought it's worth bringing up, as well as at the very end where to get to some news that's happening um, in the world of movies, TV, um, some some mergers, some Disney stuff. You know, we'll see. So, uh, and I, I like that this this list. I'm going to discuss three movies, and they couldn't be more different from each other. Um, So, very, very interested to get uh, into the thoughts here. But let's start out with two movies, and I'm just going to consider them one because it's part one and part two. Came out in 2018. I don't even believe they were really released in theaters at all, but it's, uh, you know, they had their cult following after their massive debacle slash hit slash cult uh legend that is the room in 2003 that's greg sestero and tommy was best friends or with the r in parentheses best fiends part one and part two now i gotta admit right off the top i'm not even sure why i put myself through this sort of uh epic two-parter i kind of knew what i was going to get into because you know Although I did hear some pretty decent things about these two movies, I you know, are you ever really going to get a good movie when you have these two guys involved? A good as in, like, legitimately, like, you know, worth showing in theaters, worth spreading the word about. Um, Not necessarily like, oh, so bad, it's good type of movie. You know, there's plenty of those out there that, you know, I enjoy to a certain respect. And even The Room is you know, certain scenes of that movie are endlessly rewatchable and absolutely hilarious um, for all the wrong reasons, of course. But Best Friends is kind of a different story because you can tell that they're actually, they actually know that the movie they're making is not very good, but it's actually way better made than something like The Room. Um, You know, certain things in the movie actually work. Um, You know, I thought that, Actual wrap up the actual wrap-up to the two-parter in part two, uh, while definitely the slower of the two movies, I think the wrap-up in that movie actually worked pretty well, and it surprised me a little bit, because I thought that it, it, it concluded the story that they set out to make a lot better than I certainly thought it was going to, um, but basically it's, you know, Chris Sistero plays a homeless guy who befriends Tommy Wiseau who works, you know, cremating bodies and getting them ready for funerals. You know, that's it. It works in the morgue essentially. Um, and he, of course, being Tommy Wiseau is a sketchy guy with a a history that nobody really understands and nobody really knows his real name. And then there's this, you know, thing that they get in with, uh, with, with jewelry and they start selling the, you know, it's, it's utterly ridiculous. There's like, gangs involved and there's like this under under you know crime world that they're uh facing off against at one point and there's i mean, there's a cowboy that's like the one one character's uncle who just randomly appears at the end of the first movie and then all of a sudden he's this big part in the second movie the story is utterly ridiculous but it's pretty dang entertaining and i never found myself bored but knowing that that they essentially know it's bad certainly helps the enjoyment of the movie as well and you know of course this is the first time that these two guys Sistero and Wisso have even been on screen together i believe since the room so even in that aspect alone it's it's certainly worth a watch because these guys even though they're not good actors at all they got good chemistry on screen they kind of they do work well off each other um certainly better than they did in the room which. There's no chemistry in that movie whatsoever between anybody. Um, But I did love, you know, sort of twisted turns that the movie brings up, um, you know, in quotation marks. I can't even really say that anything is that surprising in the movie plot-wise. But, hey, you know what? I I think I do like the end result. Um, There's certainly some things in the movie that don't make sense, like why there's strange slow motion for many of these big scenes. Um, you know, and, and I'm not even sure how how you really rate this movie because you you know going in it's bad. I think this is like a four or five. Like if The Room is a one out of ten, this is like a four to a five out of ten. Like there's some enjoyment to be had, but it's n- by no means a good movie. By no means is a good movie. But there's something to be said here about Tommy Wiseau's ability to play this really sketchy and almost kind of bad guy for most of the movies. Most of the best best friends I should say um I don't know that he deserves to be in any sort of big budget movie but I kind of like to see him in some sort of I don't know bit part in maybe a a crime drama um where he's I I don't I I I don't even know what I'm really proposing here I just I'd like to see him on screen more because he's just so darn interesting uh and again, not good, but it's just so interesting to watch that I can't get really enough of them. So that's Best Friends Part 1 and 2. Um, let's move on then to, you know, let's jump into Barry, which is a, you know, the HBO 30-minute comedy, dark comedy show. Uh, I've been binging this show for the last week and a half, two weeks. Again, I'm way late to to the party on this. This is, you know, everybody knows that the show's great for oh, a year and a half, two years almost now. Uh, but I'm just kind of hitting it now. I was kind of, you know, trepidatious is probably strong, but I was nervous about getting, because I, I just, I, a lot of times I don't find dark comedies to be all that uh, well done. I just think it's, it's a very, very hard line um, to try to make a show, or really a movie for that matter, that balances comedy and drama but it does take three or four episodes for me to really even get on board with Bill Hader's you know Barry Berkman or Barry Block as he goes by in the show's acting stage name um it, it, you know it's hard to like that type of character especially some of the things he does um you know early on when he doesn't really know better uh to his girlfriend Sally also acting partner um and I think Henry Winkler is almost perfect casting as Gene, the acting teacher. It's just golden. The scenes with him are absolute dynamite. Um, You know, they're both hilarious, but also there's a certain emotional weight to his character, especially later on in the season uh, that I quite enjoy. I'm, I'm about, I'm through episode three in season two right now. So I haven't really gotten to the the great episodes that everybody talks about with like, I think it's the fifth episode of season two, that everybody raves about so i'm going to see how i feel about that but there's really really a lot to like especially um when you kind of round out the kit the cast with uh you know a guy like anthony kerrigan is no ho hank uh i just love the way he talks when he's he, he's he's basically like buddy buddy you know i, I just, he's just like barry asks him you know am i an evil guy like am i a horrible man he's, of course, have I not told you that enough? It's like, oh, that's freaking brilliant. Like, just the the line delivery there is absolutely hilarious. Um, and I cannot get enough of this show. I have to watch, like, one episode a day, or else I, I'll miss that. I'll have that void of, of not. Um, and I'm almost kind of mad that the show is only eight episodes a season. I think with 30 minutes, you can almost do a 10 to 12-episode run. I hope this show goes for another five, six seasons. Um, but... With that said, you never want a show to overrun you know it's its wait time. You never you never want it to um, to feel like it's overstayed, it's welcome. And, and I don't think Barry Will, I think the writers there with uh bear um, Bill hater and I think Alec Berg is his name, uh, behind the you know, creating the show, running the show for the first two seasons, I think they're in good hands still. Um, but again, the best part about the show is the part I was most nervous about is that it does balance comedy drama quite well. Like when Barry's in his acting class and he's giving the, you know, the stories about his, uh, his time and overseas being in the military, it's, you know, it's quite impactful, but at the same time, you do, you do get plenty of laughs. You get plenty of laughs. Like even, I think it is the last episode I watched, um, when, when Hank and, and his new Um, Assassin or Hitman are are trying to take out Barry because, you know, Barry, of course, didn't kill the person that Hank wanted him to. And they're shooting through his apartment, and you have Sally there just on the Skype call with her friend, and Barry's sneaking out with a gun. Like, you know, I love that type of humor. Um, And what I'm going to get to shortly here, I love, you know, humor when it's done right. And that sounds, you know, easy to say. Like, everybody loves something when it's done right. Uh, But I just think comedy is. I've always said that. I think comedy is the hardest genre to actually um, do on screen and make it, uh, make it worth your time for more than just, you know, the year that you're watching it. Like, does it live up to its hype 10 years down the road? I think it's the hardest genre to do that. It's so, comedy is so of its time. So I hope Barry does, um, you know, I hope it does live on. I hope it has, you know, a a long, long tenure on HBO, but we'll see. Uh, I quite enjoyed the, the first, 13 episodes, 11 episodes, whatever I've watched, so we'll see where I go from here. Let's move on to another comedy, which, wow. I mean, if you consider best friends a comedy, we've been talking three straight comedies for the majority of this podcast here, but I watched last weekend Monty Python and the Life of Brian, okay? Shocker, because originally, I think this is 2013, 2014, when I was trying to go through IMDb's Uh, top 250 movies and try to um, watch as many as I could or really finish the list before the end of the year of course I stopped after a while Um, I watched Monty Python and the Holy Grail back then six seven years ago and I just didn't have the appreciation for it that I think I do now at least that type of humor and again like I was just mentioning with Barry it's extremely difficult for comedy to to live on over time and Monty Python is a common case of, I just think that type of humor, that goofy, uh, you know, kind of punchline humor is is exactly the type of humor that can live on over time. Um, and some of the things they do in Monty Python and the life of Brian, of course, are dated. Uh, but there's so much to freaking like about this movie. But the only real part of the Holy Grail that I actually like, I remember like laughing at, was the flesh wound scene, which of course is like the most famous part of the movie. But I really, really, really enjoy Life of Brian way more than I thought. I think that um, Brian's mother played by, I can't remember what member of Monty Python played his mother, but I, I was not a fan of that part of the movie. I was not a fan of his performance as the mother because you know a guy playing a woman, it works in the movie in the stoning scene, which we're going to get to in a second, but when you use that type of voice for... 90 minutes it gets a little old but this movie is so ridiculous and so great at the physical humor i mean also the punchline type of humor um but the the physical humor that you have in like the stoning scene when of course you you know guys getting stoned for saying jehovah out loud uh, and of course by the, the roman soldier who says the reason why he's getting stoned says jehovah so then he gets stoned, in a way as well. And Then you have the scene with you know the men dressed up as a woman, pretending to be men, um, because they you know they're not allowed to participate in the stoning. It's just, that scene is comedy gold at its finest, and I don't care how you know offensive or you know out of date maybe people think that that is, I think it's utterly brilliant. Um, I also think the scene with the Roman soldiers. Um, when they're kind of discussing their plans midway through the movie and the one guy's referencing his friend named Biggest Dickus, One of the, I mean, I was laughing out loud by myself watching it um, in the middle of the day, I think it was too. It's not like this is, you know, late at night or anything like that where you typically watch a comedy. I was laughing out loud at that scene. You know, I I like the stupid potty humor when it's done right as well. You know, like the goofy humor, you know, For instance, something like the Minions or the Despicable Me movies, they're okay. You know, they have their moments, but they rely too heavily on the goofy, poopy humor that kids' movies so often are flooded by with nowadays. Like that one trailer—oh, God, I can't remember the movie—the upcoming DreamWorks animation movie— and the, the the little character gets like blueberries stuck in his butt, and he's like, "I got blueberries, but I never thought I should have blueberries." It's like I, that's not funny, that's just not funny. But kids think it's funny, so they put it in those movies. That movie actually looks good on its own, but um, just that type of goofy humor doesn't work for certain animated movies, for certain kids movies. It just feels like you're you're catering too much to one particular audience. But in a movie like this with Monty Python, you're expecting that type of humor. So it works, you know, a lot better. Um, And, you know, again, I I think I should probably revisit Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And, of course, now that uh, I liked Life of Brian, I'm definitely going to check out The Meaning of Life as well. I just think that their, their work is so different than what we're getting now. The only thing that really compares is something like SNL. But even that is just catered so much more towards a political audience and a, you know, in a way the liberal audience that it's it it doesn't work as well when you're getting it in you know heavy doses certain certain parts of snl are good um but i think the monty python movie in general man that's something i might i might buy you know if i find the right price i might definitely might buy that and and revisit it it again because it was just so great moving on to the final movie I'm going to discuss, and it's a movie I actually just saw last night, um, and that would be the sequel to the 2017 horror film, 47 Meters Down. This year, it is 47 Meters Down, Uncaged. Like, oh my, I mean, what, what is this title? Like, it's, it's just so stupid. But the movie's actually pretty good, I have to admit. I have to admit. I admitted it earlier this summer when we were talking about Crawl, which I thought was a pretty dang good movie horror thriller uh, for being a really low budget and horrible marketing campaign. Uh, But 47 Meters Down Uncaged, it's not too bad. It's really not. And I think even the most impressive part of 47 Meters Down Uncaged is that they actually hit with like the jump scares and the thrills, especially towards the third act in the last 15 minutes. I mean... I don't. I don't want to admit it, but I was actually jumping out of my seat a couple times. Um, and certainly, I mean, the theater I saw it in—it's like fifteen people in it at most, and this is opening night. Um, but I mean, so you have you know Stallone and Jamie Foxx's daughters in it as you know the four, uh, the group of four women that travel out to this. You know, of course, remote location where there's this ancient Malaysian underwater city, you know, whatever it is. I, I it could be comp- explaining it completely wrong. It doesn't really matter. The point is they get stuck in an area underwater uh, where there's sharks living there. I mean, that's really all you care about. It's not like they're going, you know, swimming with the sharks and the cage falls like the last one. It's a different, different story, and I'm almost kind of glad it was. It, this movie is Way better than it has any right to be. Um, I would say it's probably about like a 6 out of 10. It maybe a 6.5 out of 10. It's got better, you know, prospects as a horror movie than it has any right to be. I'm telling you, the last 15 minutes, when things start to go down, you're like, oh, okay, okay. We're just going to go into spoilers here, by the way okay so they finally get safe and then of course they get stuck in the area where the sharks are feeding in the water when the you know the the, the boat ride that they were supposed to go on to watch the sharks the beginning moving and then they rebel against their father and they go to this remote area they end up in that same area that they were promising their father that they would go to um and of course that's the exact area that the sharks are feeding and of course they have to swim to the boat before the sharks get them and of course they get picked off right as they're about to get in the boat uh but then of course things are all right at the end cuz you know the sisters who were you know fighting at the beginning of the movie have to be back together by the end of the movie I'm telling you it's the plot is stupid you've seen everything in this movie 10 times over but it works it actually works um again way more than has any right to I will say though the sharks that they used the CGI or whatever if they call that practical I'm not sure it's not good. It's not good. There's not, there's not good effects in this one. And I wish I was wrong. I mean, I wish I was talking about like the shallows had really great CGI. Um, even crawl to a certain extent. Uh, when certainly when they're underneath the house, it looked better when they're above the house and they're kind of in the midst of the hurricane it just looks like they're in a pool in the backyard and then they're just kind of adding the rain in the background. Um, but I mean, hey, that's what you're going to get for a 5 to 10 million dollar budget movie. I hope this I hope it makes 30 to 40, maybe 50, 60 so that we can get a sequel again, the third film in this series, make it a completely different story again. I'm down. I'm absolutely down. I'm all in on this franchise at this point. I think it's it's again, it's stupid, but it's fun. And that seems to be kind of the theme of a lot of movies this summer. Stupid but fun. Um, kind of a letdown but sort of fun, you know? Um And hey, what more can you really ask for for a summer movie? But, so that would be the four movies slash the one TV show I was going to talk about. At the end here, we're going to discuss some news that came out this week, which is CBS and Viacom went through a merger, which from what apparently people are writing about, that there's potential for like a Mission Impossible TV series, maybe more Star Trek TV series. Um, I'm trying to think what else Paramount owns. But again, it's just another, it's another example of, you know, the streaming wars continue, right? Um, You know, you have Netflix, you have Hulu, you have Disney Plus and Hulu combined. Uh, You have CBS All Access, you have Shutter. you have HBO Max. Um, What else do we have? Amazon Prime. Um, what else am I forgetting here? Uh, who else was it? Somebody else, some, some other company was announcing, or oh, I think Universal announced that they were going to do a streaming service as well. I think that that was the other one I'm forgetting about. Um, but there's just so many streaming services. Then you have, you know, the, the platforms like PlayStation View and, and Sling TV. Then you have the regular cable angle of all this. You have AMC's Premier Package. Um... There's just so much that eventually it's going to go back to cable. It really is. I mean, everything's kind of leading back that way, and you're going to spend so much time, spend so much money on all this that you're going to probably want to go back to the guide element of, of cable. And I do like the guide element. Just scrolling through the guide, I think it's much better than Netflix. To be honest, like I hate scrolling through Netflix. It's it's not user friendly at all. I don't really know how you fix it. I'm not going to say I have a solution, uh, but I hope Disney Plus is easier um, to use, easier to get through, easier to find things. Um, and they're not just marketing one show for like two months like Netflix sometimes does, I don't want to watch comedians in cars getting coffee. Stop. Stop advertising that. Um, But I think, so what I was going to discuss for a little bit was this potential Mission Impossible series. It started on TV and went to movies. I think eventually it's got to go back to TV, right? I mean, I'm... I'm incredibly stoked for the last two Mission Impossible movies because I do believe it will be the last two that Tom Cruise does. Again, I could watch I could watch his movies until he's like 75. It doesn't matter. I believe every stunt he does. I hope he stays healthy, um, doesn't injure himself in the set anymore. Um, but I'm excited for those two movies in 2021 and 2022. But at the same time, I do kind of like the prospect of making at least a, an offshoot of it into a TV series. You don't even have to have any of the characters come back unless you want to do a high budget mini series with like a Ferguson, maybe some background there. Maybe she, she gets her own spinoff. You know, I don't know. I mean, I'll get, I'll take any of that, but I would also it's just enjoy like an ensemble where you get like this, you know, a group of characters, not misfits, um, not like that, but just specialist in, in, in certain areas kind of go off and, and accomplish team not team building activities, that's lame, that's not what I meant to say, but, you know, it, they're all accomplishing missions together, maybe one episode is this guy's, you know, big episode, another one is this woman's big episode, you know, it, it, it's a shared ensemble, um, but what I don't want to see is, I don't want another Legends Tomorrow, I don't want another Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., like, I don't want some, like, half-ass written thing where we just get, like, just... I don't know how else to describe it, but I don't want them to do those type of shows. I want them to actually create like a high budget IMF series. It's a really good spy series with with less humor than the movies have, more intensity, um, just more weight behind it. Um, And maybe you even include like the IMF. um, Maybe you include like the British version of the IMF. Something that we haven't really seen on screen like we get mi6 with uh, ilsa faust but we don't really get the actual imf version out there um, in the uk maybe that's something they explore you know all over the world i don't know i think i think it could be something cool i don't really know if this is even something that's going to happen in the near future it's just a rumor who knows uh also another rumor that was confirmed or pretty much confirmed last night is that obi-wan is getting his own tv show on disney plus with Ewan McGregor coming back, which is very exciting. I think there's a lot of story to be told there, especially in between episode three and A New Hope. Um, I would assume that you're going to go, because what is it, 30 years in between episode three and episode, maybe it's not 30, it's like 20 years in between episode three and four? I don't know. But it's already been 15 years since Ewan McGregor's even starred as Obi-Wan. So you got to think that there's some story there that, Maybe he's already been told in comics, or maybe you de-age Ewan McGregor a little bit, because episode four, I mean, you know, Al Guinness is a lot older than, than Ewan McGregor was. So, I mean, I think there's, there's, there's stuff to be told there. It's an exciting prospect. I just don't know. I mean, we're probably not going to get this series for another two years, you'd think, right? Um, and last but not least, it was announced or rumored or written about that Disney was not pleased with New Mutants. Because why would they be pleased with something that they haven't put out for the last two years? It was rumored to be released, or it was scheduled to be released in April of 2018. The, the merger with Disney and Fox was essentially announced, not officially gone through, but announced in December of 2017. They'd already pushed back New Mutants by that point. So then it was just, it was just a flux. Like, we didn't even, like, when is this movie coming out? Is Josh blue ever gonna finish the movie or is he ever gonna get the cast back to do reshoots because they're all busy now with TV shows and their own movies um I, I you know I mean do I ever really need to see new mutants no but I would have I liked to see the movie that they put that trailer out for um and of course there were the rumors that maybe that trailer wasn't marketed well to the movie that they actually had maybe that was the problem I feel like they were mismarketing it already I don't really know but I do want to see it eventually. I don't need to see it, but I would like to see it. I want to see what they, what they have. You know, it's the last gasp of Fox's X Men. It's not even really the X Men; it's just more of an offshoot. But still, I mean, it could be something. But no shit, that Disney is not pleased with New Mutants. If they were pleased with New Mutants, they would have already put it out by now. They would have already scheduled it, or they would have kept the August, you know, release date. It's not going to be put out in April of next year. It's more than likely not going to really be released other than maybe a streaming service release, you know, maybe a pay-per-view type thing. I can't imagine that even being the case. But that's it. That's the show. That's the news. That's the review. The, that's the reviews on the movies as my dog barks consistently in the background, interrupting the podcast. He has no respect um, for the recording time of this podcast. But that is it. Thanks. Until next time, peace.